Welcome to the Marketing That Generates podcast hosted by yours truly, Lauren Powell. For over a decade, I've partnered with business owners around the globe to create and implement their digital marketing strategy. Working together with their teams, we generate more leads, more customers, and more revenue. I'm here to make your business growth simpler by making online marketing simpler. Every week, I'll be interviewing other business owners about the strategies that are keeping their marketing relevant in the long term, so they're not hammered by monthly algorithm adjustments. So are you ready to generate more leads, better leads, and more sales-ready leads online while making the most of your oh-so-valuable time? Then this is the podcast for you. Are you tired of being promised the magic pill that's going to solve all your online marketing challenges? Well, this podcast does not promise quick overnight fixes, nor a one-size-fits-all marketing formula. Instead, it will empower you to think differently and more strategically about your marketing so that you get better results. So whether you're a business owner, solopreneur, or an aspiring entrepreneur, listen in and subscribe for zero fluff and actionable takeaways. And for bonus resources, go to marketingthatgenerates.com. In our current podcast series, I interview the owners of four very different personal chef businesses, and we dive deep into their marketing. Today's episode is the second of the series, and I interview Monica Lee, originally from Taiwan, who's now based in San Francisco, California. Monica gives the ultimate gift to her business clients, beautiful, delicious, seasonal, local food. I mean, (laughs) talk about my dream come true. In this podcast episode, she shares her journey to becoming a personal chef after starting her career as a costume designer. Monica explains how her family's approach to food, specifically dinner in Taiwan, embedded a sense of joy and love in her cooking. And she explains her non-traditional path in the food industry to starting her own business as a personal chef. Listen in and don't forget to visit the show notes to get all the links for this episode. Monica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Lauren. Yeah, I, well, first of all, I just have to say, like, my (laughs) died and went to heaven, like, on earth dream is having a personal chef in my life. (laughs) So I just think what you do is so cool and such a gift. But anyways, you've built this incredible business based in San Francisco. So I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little more about who you cook for and your clientele. Yeah, so as you mentioned, we are a farm-to-table personal chef service here in San Francisco. We cook mostly for families, usually families with two or three kids, mom and dad. And also we cook for any special events like birthdays or anniversaries and family get-togethers. How fun. And are you cooking meals weekly, daily for your clientele typically? Is that most of the service they're looking at? Yeah, so things have been changing a little bit with how we're going to operate our meal prep. But what what I had before was we cooked twice a week for a meal prep and we delivered it to over 10 families in the Bay Area. And we delivered it every Monday and Wednesday. So I usually cook about 16 to 20 hours a week just for meal prep alone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, (laughs) first of all, that is a lot, but also what a gift for those families who I assume one are busy because they have kids, but they also have professional lives and cooking is not something they either have time for or can fit in their schedules. 
Yes, that it's exactly meant for that. It's meant for families who just have too much going on with the kids. Usually, both parents are working, or they have a newborn, and they just don't have the time to even go grocery shopping, or let alone prepare a meal for the entire family. And so, that's really where we come in to help. Yeah, and you could speak to this better than I can, but. Not every meal is the same. So even if you're able to squeeze in some time to throw together something, uh, that's not the same as what you prepare in terms of both, my guess is, um, nutrition quality as well as flavor. Yeah, trust me. I don't eat as well as my clients do. And I always <laughs> I, I eat nothing like they do. <laughs> uh, okay, wait. I want to go there for a second. Is that because... It's like a case of the cobbler's shoes. It's like the classic, I'm so good at what I do for other people, but by the time it comes to me, I'm like so tired and, <laughs> and beat. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, you will be surprised what I had for dinner last night. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure I want to share this with everyone, but I, I do want to be very honest with, with all the listeners here is you know, it is very tiring after like a eight, nine hour day standing and cooking. The last thing I want to do is cook another fancy meal for myself. So even yesterday, I just stirred fry some tofu and sausages and scrambled an egg. And that was my dinner. I mean, that sounds delicious. But <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Like when I'm done with my work day, I don't want to go like volunteer my marketing energy. Exactly. <laughs> just, you know, to family or friends. I'm like, uh, guys, I love you. But um, I already did that for t- <laughs> 10 hours today. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. So for those listening that aren't who aren't chefs, Can you tell us a little bit more about what farm-to-table Asian fusion means and and what that entails? Yeah, absolutely. So farm-to-table is really eating locally. It's eating as local as possible, whatever you have at your farmer's market, and eating seasonally. Um, That's very important. And so not getting ingredients that's from another country or that's not in season. And Asian fusion just means that you're... What you cook is based off of Asian meals. Like I grew up in Taiwan, and so a lot of my my meals are inspired by Taiwanese cuisine. But fusion is, what it means is that you use a more classical French cooking technique in pairing that with a Asian-inspired theme. So it's very flexible, very creative. Um, it really can be anything as long as it has a little bit of Asian and has the classical techniques in cooking. I love that. And I could spend hours looking at <laughs> some of your food pictures on Instagram and your website. Like it looks so delicious. And I love most forms of Asian food. And I just think it looks really creative and really makes me want to try whatever it is you've taken a picture of. Yeah, Asian food definitely has a lot of umami, deeper flavors. It's very bright, whereas French food is the opposite. Um, So that's why I really like mixing it. Yeah, and it also probably gives you a lot of room to play around. A lot. There's just so many ethnic cuisines. Um, There's so many flavors in Asia, yeah. And this farm to table concept, I grew up in California right now. I live in Denver, but I know um, it's often quite important to people in 
specific parts of California, specifically San Francisco. I know people really care about both supporting the local farms and eating locally. Do you find that something that your clients are drawn to you for? Huge. So I actually lived in New York City for eight years. And I was really surprised when I moved to SF, just how much more produce um, there are available here. And the amount of farmer's market was way more than what was available in New York even. Just like around my house, within 20 minute distance, there's about four farmer's market that run weekly. So (laughs) the options are endless here. Um, So it's really, really amazing, amazing produce. We're so lucky to have that. Yeah, I was talking to my girlfriend who lives lives in SF and she was like, wait, what? You guys only have farmer's markets like for three months out of the year? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) it's freezing (laughs) here, you know, the rest of the year. And she's like, we have one every Sunday, rain or shine. And I was like, yeah, San Francisco is very special in that way. It really is. We get our produce all the way down south from Mexico to all the way up north, Napa and, and even more north. So we cover so much different kind of weather and, and just allows different crops to grow. And it's, it's just beautiful. We're so lucky in that sense. So you have this beautiful motto that I saw on your website that says, why can't every meal be delicious? And I'd love to hear a little more about that philosophy. Yeah, as I mentioned, like when I said yesterday, I was so busy, right? I worked all day. The last thing I want to do is go home and cook another meal. And I think a lot of my clients can relate to that when we get so busy with life, you know, our children, our career, our our partners, we don't really leave time to go grocery shopping and cook and eat and clean our kitchen. It takes so much time and and commitment. And oftentimes we have nothing appropriate in the fridge or we don't have the energy. So we just eat whatever. And, And this question, this model, why can't every meal be delicious, really starts to ask our viewers to think of a new possibility, you know, it it can be possible. You can have beautiful food every day and it makes you think of different ways that that can be accomplished. And one of the ways is to hire a personal chef or have meal prep. Yeah. As I told you (laughs) at the beginning of the episode, it would just be my dream come true to outsource that because not all of my meals that I cook (laughs) are very delicious because I'm pretty tired at the end of the day. And I just think that's such a beautiful thought that food doesn't have to be a chore. It can be this beautiful experience. I really believe we can have it all. I think that's what I'm really getting at. We can have a beautiful, amazing, successful career, a loving partnership with our spouse, our children, our commitment to them, our pets, and still be able to sit at a dinner table with delicious, healthy, seasonal food. Um, That's really my contribution to society. What a beautiful, amazing contribution. And, you know, I think at the pace of our current world, sometimes, and I'll let you speak to this, but sometimes like we'll put in a lot of energy for Thanksgiving or a special occasion. But when it comes to the day to day, like that tends to get a little overlooked. Yeah, there's been a very, very interesting research that I read one time that the most healthy American dinner happens on Thanksgiving night. 
it's it's like scientifically proven proven with data that that's the healthiest dinner that an average American family will eat in the whole year is Thanksgiving dinner, and I think that's very shocking and stunning because. Thanksgiving is sometimes the only time families will go and get groceries and have a protein and sides and and a dessert. You know, they'll actually cook everything from scratch, unlike the rest of the days. I wish you could see how big my eyes are right now because I also find that really shocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's. You know that nobody has time to roast a turkey for three hours anymore, and to mash potato by hand and peel. But in the olden days, I love watching medieval movies. Um, that's like one of my favorite era. People did that all day long. You know, they they would peel potatoes for hours. They would be gardening. They were around food all the time. They had servants in each castle. So. Food was always taken care of in that sense. It took time, and they were willing to spend the time to do that. And the way we live now, we we no longer have that luxury of time to to prepare food like that. And can I ask you maybe a different question? Do you find because you grew up in Taiwan that there's a big difference between the U.S. and Taiwan in, in that regard,、um, or is it kind of the same over there too? A lot of prepackaged food, a lot of processed food. I find that, from my experience growing up, I can only say for myself, it, it's a huge difference. When I was growing up, every night, 5 p.m. sharp, that was dinner time, and everybody sat around the table. We have, I had a big family. I have, there's four kids in our family, and my mom and dad, my grandma. Grandpa lived with us too, so we would have eight different dishes on a lazy susan and rice and fruits for dessert, and a soup every single night. So a lot of my meal prep, I try to recreate that experience. That's you know, it brought so much good memories. That is,、um, that just makes me smile thinking about it. That sounds so special, and like such a great time to reconnect with all your loved ones over a meal. Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't realize how special that was until until I moved here, I think, and I was living alone in New York, and I was like, I was like making three course dinners for myself, and and my friends were like, "What? You eat all that for dinner?"、I'm、like, yeah, you need soup and sides and a main and and fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and New York, I feel like, is like the eating out capital of the U.S., where they're just like. Restaurant after restaurant to go to. Not、yeah. to say that that's affordable, but、um, it's tempting because everything's at your fingertips and you can just order out. Yeah, but I do see a different food and dining culture here.、Um, I think that a lot of families do want to eat together, but they end up just ordering takeout because nobody's able to cook and accommodate. Every child's, you know, has like a different preference or a different diet.、Um, so it's it's really hard for mothers to be able to cook for so many different varieties. And is that part of the service that you offer your clientele? Meaning, it's not the same meal for everyone. We did in the beginning. We did in the beginning. However, that's not very sustainable. So what ended up happening is everybody got the same meal, unless you have a food allergy or something like that. And what happens is because we don't have a menu, so each week is like a omakase. It's like a chef's tasting. 
they have no idea what food they're going to get until they receive it that Monday at at 4 p.m. So the first time that the menu is revealed is when they open their box. And it's like a surprise for them. And it ends up being even a surprise for the kids. And we found that the kids have learned to eat different ingredients and like different things and have opened up tremendously to new foods because of our meal prep services. First of all, what a surprise and delight to not know what you're getting and like look forward to that every Monday at 4 p.m. That would be yeah. really exciting for me. Like, what's coming? <laughs> yeah, I have so many clients tell me that they look forward to Monday, 4 o'clock, like all week. They're so excited for Monday. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And then I love that the kids are eating the same thing as the adults. My mom loves cooking and I grew up where we had to eat everything that she cooked. And it was a lot of vegetables, a lot of stuff that maybe is a little unusual here in the States for parents to cook their kids, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, like stuff that's quite strong for kids' palates. So I hear, and then my husband grew up kind of in the opposite, um, in the opposite kind of environment where, um, you know, his parents divorced and he was making a lot of his meals. So they were microwave and it was like chicken nuggets and other stuff. Anyways, it was really hard for him when he had to start learning to eat yeah. you know what? <laughs> more flavors late in really life. It's true. The saying, you are what you eat. Like as a child, what you're exposed to becomes your favorite thing to eat when you're an adult. It just, it's the exposure. You have to constantly expose kids to different cuisines, different ingredients, and they grow to like it. Yeah. And... I don't know about you, but I always find it really enjoyable when a kid, when you're cooking for a child or like I've cooked for my nieces and nephews, I don't have kids, but that their first reaction is, I don't like that, or that's not something I eat, or I'm not going to try that. I'm always like, just try it. (laughs) You might like it, or you might learn to like it. So I just think that's a beautiful gift you're giving that family. Um, Maybe it's not what your intention, initial intention is, but it's a nice byproduct of your service. Definitely. Yeah. It's been amazing. So let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're in San Francisco and they're wondering, am I ready to hire Monica? When would you suggest a family or professional seek out your services? Well, I would say our services is for anyone looking for a very boutique, in-home, special, fine dining experience. If you feel that you are wanting to throw a very special event, maybe a business dinner or a family gathering or a birthday celebration, and you have the dates down, you kind of have a vision, then that's where I can come and step in and help out. I love that. I love that. And are you taking on additional clients for your weekly service or are you booked up? that actually right now we are transitioning it just happened this week so we instead of doing meal prep deliveries we are now doing in-home meal prep services um so those are again weekly mondays and wednesday we come to your house and we cook two dinners Uh, one will be prepared and laid out on the table and one will be in the fridge so Because of that, we have a lot more limitations as to how many families you can cook for. I I am currently a one-person solo company, a one-woman company, so I only have two hands to do so much. I think that's a beautiful one, a beautiful opportunity, and two, just a beautiful lesson for anyone listening that 
things are always evolving in your business, um, whether it's your service offerings or your team growing, like there's always pivots and iterations that have to be made. And, you know, it can be, a ch- <laughs> it can be fun and also a challenge. <laughs> Huge. And, and you're on the right track. It really, like I was speaking to my kitchen manager the other day, cause I went from a, it's like a shared commercial kitchen space and the manager, Dave, he's the sweetest. Uh, I went in and out of that kitchen already twice. So I'm moving out again my second time. And Dave was like, you know, Monica, I, I don't want to see a Monica 3.0 anymore. <laughs> You're already in and out here twice, you know. So he was he was like, you know, encouraging me to just do do what my gut feeling is and, you know, do the next thing. But it is a lot to move in and out of a kitchen. I applied for the San Mateo Health Certification three times already because I moved three times. Um, within the span of two years. So yeah, starting a business is, I compare it to like when you're making bread, it's like kneading the dough. When you first pour the flour in the water and you're kneading it, it's so messy. The flowers on the wall, on the floor, everywhere, all over the counter. It is a very messy process until it forms together into a ball of dough and then, then it's your bread. You know, the end product is beautiful, but the process can be a lot. Yeah, it can be. It's certainly not for the faint of heart. <laughs> exactly. And there's a level of um, acceptance of the roller coaster that you're you've chosen to get on that I think happens. You know, like I mean, I think about you applying three times for <laughs> for that sanitation. Sorry if I'm getting it wrong, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, it's a, I'm there. <laughs> the county health and safety certification that you need to get if you're running a food business you know when you apply for it three times you just feel like oh my gosh I might as well be illegal at this point it's easier (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I was thinking um you probably didn't get into this business for all that paperwork (laughs) yeah yeah so much but I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story why you started this business and what inspired you to create it yeah, so this business started, uh, funny enough, actually, I was working at a Michelin restaurant in San Francisco. I was one of the only female chefs at night, and I remember I was peeling beets. It took me like four hours every day just to peel beets because they had this one dish that was a beet reduction salad dressing. So you would have to juice hundreds of beets and reduce it until you get like 10% or less of the liquid, the original liquid. So every time I'm doing mundane, repetitive chores, like peeling beets, all I had was time to think. I thought a lot. I'm an entrepreneur by heart. I had another business prior to being a chef. I was actually a costume designer. So every time that I have time to think, I'm always thinking about how I can contribute more, how I can add value to other people's lives and how I can start my own business and be my own chef and have the creative power and the space and the freedom. Um, So that's where it started. I quit the job and I went online and I posted my services and I got my first client. And I was really lucky because my first client is still today one of my most supportive client I've ever had in my life. She's given me so many customers and she's still a client with me today. Wow. 
okay, <laughs> that is an amazing story. And there's a few pieces I want to ask you about. First of all, peeling beets for four hours a day, I guess meditative, but also maybe <laughs> for uh, no, someone who's so it's, creative. It's maybe you know? meditative for the first 30 minutes. <laughs> and then around 40 minutes, the neck pain starts to hit. And then yeah. 50 minutes, the back pain, leg pain, knee pain. And then you're questioning about your entire life at the second hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over and over every day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is, you know, some motivation to pivot if that's not your jam. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about costume design, what that was like, and then how you transitioned into the food industry. Yeah, okay. So I was in New York for eight years. I actually moved to New York for college. So I was studying at Parsons School of Design. I was majoring in interior design, so I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts. During the entire time I was in college, I was ballroom dancing. So I was competitively ballroom dancing throughout college, traveling for competitions and at partners. And it was very expensive to buy costumes. So I decided I'd make my first costume. And then once I did that, people started asking, hey, can you make me, you know, a dress? Before I knew it, I had an LLC. I had my own company and I was making costumes out of my little apartment in New York City. And I did that for about four or five years and made costumes for NBC World of Dance and for a lot of Barn World Champions. And the whole time I was dancing competitively. And I think the biggest thing for me during the whole time why I love dancing, why I love costume design was the creative aspect of it. And also the health aspect of it. I really, really care about my health. So even with ballroom, I was dancing six times a week, three hours a day. And you have to feel yourself to be able to dance like that. You know, I was doing cross training. I was learning about my body and food became very important, um, not only for my body, but emotionally also. And I would cook all the time for my friends, have my friends come over, do like a 20 people Christmas dinner and make all the roast beefs and the sides. And that's where the passion for cooking was always really, really strong. It was something I couldn't deny. And so when I finished farm dancing, I had stopped making costumes and I decided to go to the French Culinary Institute in New York City. And I studied um, and got my diploma for culinary arts. That is so beautiful. And I haven't danced ballroom. I used to do ballet, so I can identify with a lot of your experience around health and emotional wellness and food being an important fuel to be able to pull off a, an athletic endeavor like that. But I also just really love how my guess is you learned a lot of lessons selling and designing costumes that you took with you when you started this personal chef business? Yeah, a lot. I think mainly for me was customer service, meeting all kinds of different people. Both of my service, interesting enough, is, is very intimate. So costume design, people would undress in front of me. Um, they were in my house. I was pinning the fabric on their body. It was a very intimate experience. And so is so is cooking. I'm feeding these everyone. I'm 
you know, all the food that they're eating and how they're feeling is because of what they've been eating from what I've made. So I find both experiences to be really rewarding in the sense that I feel like I'm, I'm really making a difference. That's so special and such an interesting um, connection that I don't know that I would have made as an outsider looking in, but it's really beautiful to hear from you. Oh, yeah, thank you. So earlier you mentioned that you got your first client by posting online. And I'd just love to hear a little bit because part of the reason we have this podcast is so other business owners can learn from people in different industries or in their same industry. But I'd love to hear like, how do you get in front of new clients now? Is it primarily word of mouth, especially because of the amount of clients you can take Mm -hmm. on at one time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I first started, I posted on Thumbtack and that's how I got my first client. And it really took off from there because it really is word of mouth. All these clients, they are mothers. They have kids going to the same schools. So it spreads like wildfire. Once you do a really good job for one family, they'll tell their other friends at school or the other parents. And it just spreads like that um, naturally. And Thumbtack helped a lot. And I would say that I also posted on Google and Yelp and had my own website and my own Instagram. And I was also hosting Airbnb experiences. So just I was on a lot of platforms in the beginning. I was doing a lot um, to get this started. And that put me out there for sure. That's incredible. And I think um, it's funny when you first start out, and I say this not like I say you as the collective because I talk to a lot of business owners, but you think just because you like hang up a sign (laughs) that people are going to know you exist. And it takes a lot of work to get your name out there and to get people hearing about your services and wanting to take the next step. But when they do and you do a really good job, um, you're right, it can spread like wildfire. And in that regard, I do think customer service is a marketing uh, activity in itself because you want customers to keep coming back to you and you want them to refer you to other people. Totally. I mean, when I was first cooking, I didn't even care about the money. That's the only way you have to kind of, that's how much service you have to provide in the beginning to do it so wholeheartedly. Just, I pretended like I was cooking for my family and I didn't care if I lost money doing it. I would get the best ingredients. I would give them the best service. I would stay after hours. I knelt on the floor on my knees to wipe their floors. Yeah, every, I just gave everything. It's um, inspiring, I think, to hear about um, and to know that you were also hosting Airbnb experiences. Like that's juggling a lot of balls and it um, <laughs> makes me think of when I started my business. I mean, I had a catering job and I was tutoring in Spanish just so I could fund the business and get clients and not worry about having to pay the bills from the business because I knew that that would put me in a different position in terms of how I treated the clients and uh, the work I did, the level of work I did, I guess. But I remember how exhausting that was. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, I really thought of it more as like, hey, I'm being paid to learn. I was pretty new in the industry. I had just graduated from culinary school. I interned like four months at a Michelin restaurant in Taipei. And then I worked only a little bit in the San Francisco restaurant. So 
I knew I needed more experience and knowledge, and I didn't want to pay for school to get that. And I knew I needed hands-on experience. So I really just thought of it like I'm being paid to learn. So now I have my own business and they're paying me and all of this, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. I love that reframe. I think it's so smart. And there's nothing like your own business to fast track your <laughs> your learning because I feel like you're drinking from a fire hose and you're learning not just cooking for people, but how to deal with paperwork with a city and 10 other hats you never thought you'd be wearing. I wore so many hats, you know, I joke about this all the time. <laughs> you know, I hire staff to help me too. And I would jump in and wash the dishes and I would just say, I'm the dishwasher now. And I would just joke, I'm the dishwasher. And then I'm the CEO and I'm head of marketing, <laughs> you know. Oh, <laughs> and I'm I love that. I really am. And like a uh, business goes through its ups and downs. You know, I had five employees at one time and now I'm back to doing this solo and it just goes through its ups and downs. So it, you know, you do need to be able to at least try to do everything in the beginning and, and learn from it. And that's how you're able to help your staff to succeed. I agree. And I think it empowers you to be a better manager mm-hmm. of that staff because you're able to, empathize with their role and ask the right questions. So often I see people like hire staff out that they don't really even have any inkling how to do themselves. And it becomes a very challenging management position because you don't know if you're asking the right questions. You don't know like what you're supposed to be measuring them against. You know, you don't know are they doing a good job, an okay job, a great job. Yeah. It's hard. I find if you haven't walked in someone's shoes at least a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So do you ever have any prospects who you chat with and maybe aren't a good fit for your service in one way, shape or form? And is that something you typically find out over a phone call? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I was going to say, so one of my little, I guess, requirement that I have with all new clients is you must hop on a call with me. Because first of all, that just weeds out anyone who doesn't want to call you. (laughs) And second of all, you get to hear their voices. At the end of the day, I do what I do because I love what I do. So I want to enjoy doing it with my customers. I have to feel that it is a right fit on all levels. So I have my clients call me and we just do a little five minute chat and I ask them about what their meal plan is currently, or if they're doing a special event, what they had in mind. And we just go from there and it's very natural from there. So I always ask for a phone call. I think that's so smart and such an easy filter for you and and for the prospective client. Like if they don't want to get on a phone call either, then you're not the right (laughs) personal chef for them. Just a five minute phone call, you already building rapport you're already building a connection and there's already this, they want you to work for them already just from a five minute phone call. It, your sales becomes so much easier. I don't have to sell anything. They want me. That's, that's really amazing. And I think it shows you care in a different way than someone who's filling out an online form and then never even talking with the person who's cooking for them. Yeah. And I think it's, it goes back to, I really see cooking and feeding people a very intimate experience. Yeah. And especially with your in-home meal prep service. Yeah. I'm at their house. You know, I meet their pets, all their kids. 
I know what every single kitchen drawer consists of. You know, I flip through everything. So it's it's a very, very intimate experience in the sense that you get to really know your diners. You get to see them and see them enjoy your food. And that's why I, you know, part of the reason why I love my job so much um, is you get to interact with all kinds of people. That's incredible. So, Monica, I have one final question for you, and that's if you had to give one piece of advice to another business owner who's working on their marketing and growing their business, what might it be? Yeah, I thought about this. I think the greatest advice I have is to have confidence telling people about your services. You know, be proud of what you do. Don't just tell your friends, you know, tell strangers, tell tell everybody. And I think that as long as you're really proud of what you do, that will come through and people will gravitate towards that. I love that advice. I hear that from you when you talk about what you do. And I just think it's a really beautiful message. Yeah, I think that that is the best marketing when you truly believe in the services you're providing and you know that your service will add value to their lives and that they need you. And that's, you know, that's the best advice I have is to just be really confident about what you do and to share that with others. Thank you, Monica, so much for that beautiful last piece of advice and for sharing your time today. For our listeners who want to learn more about you, your business, and possibly reach out to hire you, where can they find you online? Well, they can find me online on my website, info at chefmonmon.com, and that's chef, M-O-N-M-O-N, or they can find me on Instagram at itschefmonmon. All those links are in the show notes. Definitely check out Monica's food photos on Instagram. Like they will make you drool and salivate and (laughs) go running to hire her right away. So thank you again so much, Monica. Thank you so much, Lauren. Heck yeah. You just finished another episode of the Marketing That Generates podcast. I hope you found a few takeaways that you can put into action right away. If you want more on today's episode, head over to marketingthatgenerates.com for show notes, links, bonus resources, and related episodes. Plus, if you're looking to connect with other amazing business owners just like you, be sure to join our free monthly marketing chats. You can get all the details at marketingthatgenerates.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you back here for the next episode.